Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Actors with Issues, the weekly podcast where we interview the rising stars of TV, film, and Broadway and give you an inside look at the entertainment industry from the ground level. Today marks the first episode of Industry Insights, a new series of bonus episodes with show business professionals. And joining us today is producer, director, serial entrepreneur, and career coach. Please welcome Jordan Ansel. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Juan, thanks so much for having me on. I really, I'm really excited to talk with you today. Likewise. Um, so you did not immediately start on the traditional path that, uh, a, or if you can call any traditional paths uh, that filmmakers or uh, creatives have. Uh, where did you go to college and what did you study and how did you end up there? <laughs> sure. Well, actually, if you don't mind, I can talk a little bit about my journey before college because it's kind of relevant. Um, sure. So I went to uh, the LaGuardia High School in New York City, which was school. Uh, the School of Music, Art, and the Performing Arts, which is like PA, Performing Arts High School and Music and Art High School combined into that school. Um, and I was a fine art major. And I discovered photography there. And I fell in love with photography. And I decided that I was going to be a professional photographer. And at the age of 18, I became a professional photographer. So while I was in college, I was also shooting, uh, which was great. Um, and I got to uh, do lots of you know, different kinds of photography. I started as a fashion photographer. I also did a lot of actor headshots. Mm. And when I got to college, I, I discovered acting as well. And it was great because I was immersed in acting and uh, I was um, doing pictures for actors and also the school uh, plays and things like that. And I went to a very small school in upstate New York called SUNY Oneonta, uh, which is, you know, in the, the, the rolling green hills of, of, uh, of upstate New York. And, um, you know, I was really, really uh, excited to just, you know, take pictures of beautiful landscapes and people. And when I discovered acting, I thought, God, I, I wonder if I could both be an actor and a photographer. And, and that's what I had done uh, for many years. Uh, while I was in school, I was an actor and a photographer. Uh, even while I was in college, I uh, had an agent and was auditioning for stuff. And I was also shooting actor headshots in, in New York City over the summer when I was uh, back home and uh, shooting other kinds of stuff too. Like, uh, you know, I was shooting for a lot of fashion uh, magazines and, and um, shooting editorial stuff as well. And at some point I decided I really wanted to be a, a full-time actor. So I went to a two-year conservatory after college uh, and I had some amazing mentors there like Mike Nichols and Paul Sills and George Morrison. And I started a theater company uh, while I was in conservatory because during my years of college as an actor slash photographer, I ended up uh, uh, booking a role in a Broadway show and uh, that was before I went to conservatory and uh, David Letterman had bought the theater while we were in previews and he ran the late show out of that. So that job went away. I decided I was going to go to conservatory, but then I realized like after conservatory, I didn't want to wait online for cattle calls and auditions. Mm -hmm. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to start my own theater company. And I did. I started a theater company with a couple of people, uh, a big group of people actually. And uh, we raised a whole bunch of money. And we were able to produce really amazing theater in, in the West Village. And then I came to LA on a visit where I ended up getting an LA agent and also booking a bunch of work as a photographer and an actor. Uh, so uh, that was kind of my path into the entertainment industry. Um, you know, I, I'd done some child's acting and modeling, but nothing significant. And, you know, it didn't really last long, but that was kind of my pathway into the entertainment industry. And mm -hmm. uh, I was an actor for many years. Um, but then I decided, you know, I, you know, was doing a lot of commercials and voiceovers and it, it was great. Like the work was abundant and I was mm -hmm. very happy to do that work. I did a little bit of film and TV, uh, not as much as I'd, I'd wanted to, uh, but I was also so busy doing this other stuff that it was very exciting. Plus I had a lot of free time to still shoot because commercials, you know, they're, you know, you shoot one, two, three days and yeah. you're done and you make money all year, which is great. Uh, so I was really heavy in the photography as well, but then I just kind of like got burnt out on that grind, you know, and I had other interests 
I know I might sound like I'm uh, sort of a, a guy who's kind of all over the place because I, I've done a lot of things in my life, but I actually have been a serial entrepreneur since I was nine. I started my first business when I was nine years old and I was always, you know, able to make money doing stuff that I loved. So that never went away. And I guess, you know, starting that theater company, it was also me being an entrepreneur as an actor because I didn't want to wait for somebody to give me a role. I wanted to go create those for myself and for my friends. So after a few years, I would say after about a good, like nine years of being in LA as an actor, photographer and working all the time, actually, you know, um, I just was bored of it. You know, the grind of, you know, I love the casting directors. I love the other actors I met and I was grateful for the work, but I had other interests, you know, I, I wanted to do more than just commercials and, and voiceovers and, and the occasional little bit on TV that I would eventually get cut out of. So I, uh, I quit the industry and I, um, I went full on like business mode. I mm -hmm. uh, taught myself how to build websites, to code websites when I was a photographer uh, because I had someone build a website for me and I didn't like it. So I said, fuck it, I'll just do it my way. And I did. And so I ended up going into uh, website production for some big startup companies. And I ended up becoming an executive at some of these companies eventually. And <laughs> then, you know, went into advertising and, you know, uh, having been a photographer and dealing with advertising and stuff on that end, I, you know, really knew how to kind of work the creative in advertising. So I, I enjoyed doing that stuff for a while. And I did that for a good long time. It wasn't until uh, like 2009 when I was just, uh, I was doing some independent business consulting. I had my own consulting company that I just was kind of missing being creative, mm -hmm. you know? So I sold everything I owned except for my house and bought a one-way ticket to New Zealand and lived in New Zealand and Australia so I could get back in touch with my creative roots. And I ended up just becoming a photographer again, which was really exciting because it was in mm -hmm. like two countries that I never lived in. And it was beautiful and, you know, uh, it was really cool because I got to shoot for their magazines and their networks and all that stuff. So that was exciting. When I came back uh, close to 2011, I decided that I wanted to marry the business stuff with the creative stuff. Mm. And I decided that while I was figuring out how that was going to look, I was just going to do photography and start that business again. And I did, and it was very successful. And, you know, I was shooting a lot of different things. Um, but I really missed the entertainment industry for what it was. So I ended up deciding to become a filmmaker in 2017. And I made a film uh, that it was a short film. It was a socially relevant issue about gun violence. It was a narrative, it was a dark comedy and it did really well. In fact, it's now streaming on Amazon Prime. And, uh, you know, and that job led to other directing gigs which led to producing gigs. Now, during that time, you know, I had, I, uh, because of my business background, I really kind of understood from a business standpoint, the entertainment industry that it just works like every other business and every other industry. And I thought, you know, the, the, the big challenge that most actors have is they run their careers like actors and not business people. But because I spent so many years in doing business stuff at a really high level, and I love actors and I loved being an actor, I thought, you know, I think I have some information that can help actors. So I wrote a book that did really well. Uh, and it was all about teaching actors business skills on how to navigate their careers like a business. And um, so now I'm, I'm really focused on filmmaking. I've actually in, in production right now for two simultaneous projects. One shoots next week here in LA, one shoots in uh, the East Coast in, in Boston in April. So I'll be flying back there soon. Uh, and also coaching actors and filmmakers on, on how to run their careers like a business. Mm -hmm. And that's also enhanced my filmmaking career and that, you know, and I feel like as a filmmaker, I can help actors in that way uh, because I get to hire some of the people that I've come in contact with just being a coach so it's been that's kind of my circuitous route in a very long-winded answer i don't know how it's going to be in the editing you know i can <laughs> it's a podcast i mean it's yeah. it's a long-winded conversation that's, that's what we do so here. you know so <laughs> as a serial yeah you know like as a serial entrepreneur I've, I've started multiple businesses a couple of online businesses of my own i have an advertising company of my own a marketing company you know a successful photography business and a consulting business and and now I just kind of apply all that stuff to my filmmaking career, which is really 
what actors should be doing too, applying their business mm -hmm. acumen. And if they don't have any, then learn it, you know, because that's yeah. what really makes the difference. I, at least that I've seen in the people that do run their acting careers like a business. So. Um, so just a few things, what's the name of your book and what's the name of your short film? Just to make sure. Uh, well, the book, out. that book is no longer in print because it's eight years old and outdated, but it was called behind the lines, what it really takes to make it in Hollywood. And I just okay. interview really big industry people and, um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's their sort of take on the business of the industry from the experts point of view. I have agents and managers and casting directors, mm. but I'm writing a second book called thriving actor which is based on the curriculum that I have and a Facebook group I run called Thriving Actor, which anybody can join, where I train, do free trainings and, and have industry people come. Uh, and the, the short film that I uh, produced and directed in 2017 is called Good Guys with Guns. And it's about what happens when everybody has a gun and you can't tell who the good guys are. Mm. Uh, and I uh, shot that in New Mexico. And then um, next week I'm, I have a two day shoot for a studio, I can't talk about the project. It's kind of top secret, um, but that's really exciting. I'm very excited to work with the studio. Uh, and um, that's, a, oh, and I should clarify, that's actually a photography gig. I have not promoted myself as a photographer in years, mm -hmm. but sometimes I still get these calls. And so this person from the studio called my wife, my wife is a big, she's a VP of a big agency on both coasts. And uh, they said, is your husband still a photographer? And she asked me, hey baby, are you still a photographer? And said, who's asking? <laughs> the name of the studio yeah. right she said the name of the studio <laughs> and i go yeah uh, i'm still a photographer because mm -hmm. <laughs> i was thinking oh yeah corporate rates cool uh so right. uh, and then uh and then i fly back to boston uh uh in april uh i've been hired to produce and direct a, a short film a drama called the principal's assembly which i'm very excited to work on because the actress the star she's incredible very talented woman and 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 she's become a dear friend over the last couple of years um and it's a drama about uh, a woman who's dealing with mental health issues and addiction while uh trying to be the leader of her community and the school that she's the principal of so it's a really really i like to do things that are like socially relevant and yeah. have issues and since this is actors with issues then maybe it's a good fit right absolutely so with such a an eclectic and, and multi-hyphenate background, you know, I feel like uh, the past couple of years we've heard so much that actors have to be multi-hyphenates. If you're just doing one thing, you're you're missing out. Um, would you agree that that actors should should try and be as multifaceted as, as possible within their own limits? Yeah, well, yes, and in different ways. One, I think the more you can do just in terms of your life experience and acting isn't the only thing you do. You can certainly bring that life experience to your acting. Now, specifically, I really encourage through my Facebook group and the workshops that I do and the coaching programs that I do and the people that I work with one-on-one -on -one, that actors must produce their own content. They must create a starring vehicle for themselves in the form of a short film or a web series for multiple reasons. And I'll, I'll tell you some of them right now, uh, which I, you know, to go into the whole thing, it's, it could be like a four hour conversation. But when you're an actor, you're basically an employee looking for a job. Every audition you go on is a job interview and you're competing with all the other people applying for the job. When you are producing something that you are going to star in, you're now a job creator and a business owner, and you're a boss. You're becoming the CEO of your own company, which is something that I really encourage people to do. And, and how this works is, you know, if you are, you know, look, the way the industry works, a lot of people have the idea of how the industry works, but it's an industry. It's the entertainment industry. It's show business. Every decision that's made is a business decision. And the number one thing that businesses are, are trying to accomplish is to make more money, right? So a TV show, a movie, they're all looking at the bottom line, you know, meaning if it's a TV show on a network, how many advertisers are going to advertise on that show, right? Is the show worth it, right? 
uh, or if it's a film, how many people are going to buy tickets or watch now, watch it now on streaming services, meaning how many subscriptions are Netflix and Hulu and Apple Plus going to sell, right? So every decision is a business decision. So typically, if an actor doesn't get a role, it's not because they're acting. It's because of something else. Because if a, a, a studio or a network is going to bank millions of dollars on a production, then every actor has to be right in some way. And sometimes we're just not right for it for whatever reason. And if you think about it this way as a business, every business looks at something called a return on their investment, ROI. If you're an actor and you spend, I mean, I know the pandemic kind of threw everything for a loop and it's a very different story now, but pre-pandemic and even now coming out of it, actors spend money on casting director workshops and acting classes and headshots and uh, you know a website that isn't just a basic website, but more like a pitch package. And then there are coachings for their auditions. That could be tens of thousands of dollars a year to hopefully book a role that pays them the SAG minimum, which is like $1,000 if it's a co-star or a one-day guest star. So what's the return on investment? Not very good. Now, imagine if you saved some of that money you would normally spend on classes and workshops and things, and you pr produced something which you could also raise money for on a fundraising platform like Seed and Spark, which is for filmmakers. And rather than being a co-star role with like two or three lines or having one scene, you can now produce a role for yourself that is perfect for you, that you can star in, and you have more meat on, some, on the bone for an agent or a manager or casting director to chew on. They can see your talent from start to finish, not can you deliver three lines just you know, in a way the director needs while hitting your mark. You actually get to show your acting chops, you know, and that's what people wanna see. They wanna see if you're a good actor and that you can carry a show if you're gonna go out for bigger roles. Well, one way to show them that you can go and carry a bigger role is if you have a starring role in something. And here's how it also benefits an actor. You get to collaborate with other people that you maybe didn't know, a director, a producer, uh, you know, a whole crew of people. Well, they're gonna be doing other stuff too, which means you've now created a network of peers that could put you on another gig because you've given them a job. You know, uh, you know I know a lot of casting directors because I've, I've nurtured relationships, you know, for the last several decades and you know, a lot of them come and do my, you know, uh, interviews in my thriving actor group. Uh, you know, they sometimes do my workshops and, you know, they, they all agree and have agreed. And you can even look at some of these videos out there, folks that I have online that casting directors want to see like good actors doing work. They're not necessarily going to see that in a real of somebody's that is like two lines here, another line there. That shows that you've booked a job, but can you do the work? And when you're starring in something, you have to bring another level of professionalism to it, especially if it's something you're producing. And that shows everybody that you've leveled up as a professional. And casting directors, a lot of them, unless they're in a really big office that does shows all year because of you know, how scheduling is with streamers and stuff, they have time off. If you have a short film or a web series and you've created a relationship with a casting director, you could hire them to cast your film or web series. And now you're a peer. You're not an actor going to them for a job. So imagine now you want to be on a show and that casting director has some time off because that show was on hiatus and you have a relationship with that casting director and you send a text, hey, I'm doing this short film. Here's the script. Would you like to cast this? I can pay you, you know, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks, whatever it is. You know, it's not going to take them a whole lot of time. They would probably love to do it if they like you already and they like the project. Mm -hmm. And now you've got a casting director that could potentially get you some talent that's not working. That has a little bit of a draw. It happens mm -hmm. all the time. And, you know, um, so you change the relationship with the casting director. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's one way it changes the conversation. Let's, let's look at this other scenario. Okay, so you're an actor, you're at some party, hopefully, you know, when the world opens up again, you know, and you can actually socialize and, so, and know and you meet somebody and, and, you, and you start up a conversation and they happen to be in the industry. Maybe they're a showrunner or a director or a casting director or an agent or whoever, anybody in the industry. 
and you talk to them and you get to know them and they go, great. What do you do? Oh, well, I'm an actor. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, uh, you know, I've done a couple of these, you know, things and I was in this theater production and I have like a, you know, co-star on, you know, blacklist or whatever show. Okay, great. Cool. Great. Thanks. Nice. Or the conversation go like this. Oh, so yeah, tell me something about yourself. Oh, well, you know, I'm not just an actor, but I've produced a web series that I star in. And, you know, we've gotten into like 15 festivals. I was nominated for a best acting award. The series was nominated for best web series. Like that changes the conversation entirely. Like yeah. now you're way more desirable to me as, an, as a director or a producer, right? You know, because I also produce other things for other people. I don't just produce stuff I direct now. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm always like listening to how people talk about themselves. And, you know, if you, if you've got shit going on, then you've got shit going on. Like you're a hot property. I want to get in on that. You know? Yeah. Can I cuss on this show? I don't even know. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> have, no, no, I'm no, originally no. from New York, so there will be a lot of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so it kind of changes the conversation yeah. and with the people that I've worked with directly that have produced their own content, it's changed their lives because mm -hmm. it has given them other opportunities they wouldn't have had. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I can name people by name, but, you know, uh, friends of mine now, like uh, Freddie Gerlando, who's an mm -hmm. actor. Freddie. I know Freddie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was a student of mine years ago. And, yeah. you know, I, you know, he's become a good friend. He produced a web series, which got him a lot of accolades. And then he produced a documentary, which was just written about in Deadline. And he also works with some really big producers. And now... You know, back, you know, maybe like eight or nine years ago when we first met, I'm like, oh, Freddie's a nice kid. You know, he's really great. I can see that he's going to be talented and he'll, he's, he's going to go places. Right. And I thought like, oh, you know, he's an actor. I'll just see what happens. But, you know, now that he's a producer, like I think of him as not just a friend, but a peer. Like, and, and, you know, we plan on working on stuff together, like, because he is a hustler, man. He has his shit dialed in and I can see how professional he is. You know, someone like Lauren McCann, who did a film called Girl Boxer, yeah. which was a proof of concept for a series or feature film. Like that's changed her life. Like, you know, she's got meetings. She got a, you know, a really big Hollywood talent manager, uh, you know, like just because of that film. And, and, you know, it's opened up all these opportunities for her. She's gotten direct offers for things. You know, she, she was asked to write on some things as well. Um, you know, you look at people like uh, Felice Garcia, who uh, was an actor and then she wrote a web series. She now has two seasons of it streaming on Amazon, like, and it's gotten tons of awards and she's still reaping the benefits of that as an actor, a producer, a writer, a direct, like all of it, right? So, you know, nowadays, everything is so accessible. You know, Steven Soderbergh made his last four movies on an iPhone. So if he can do it, why can't, why can't we, right? So, you know, if you've got a story that you want to tell and play that role, then do it. Because so many people are that people kind of expect it. They don't really want to see actors who are just, you know, sitting around submitting their headshots, hoping an agent or a manager will call them or a casting director will give them an audition. They want to see people. Plus there's more opportunities if you creating your own content because of all the streaming services right so yeah. i highly highly not just encourage actors to become content creators but to really really go for it because it will change your life in ways that you can't even expect and and look i i don't say this in theory i see i say this because i've seen it happen to people but it yeah. also happened to me i decided i want to be a filmmaker i didn't go to film school so what did i do well like I've, you know, I've been on plenty of sets, lots and lots of sets in my life, you know, so, uh, and I've had some great mentors in my life that were directors. So I made a film, you know, we raised a bunch of money. It was a big budget short, you know, with like drones and like fucking police and guns. And like, it was crazy. Right. Yeah. We shot it in another state. So with a crew that I'd never met before, but became really fast friends with, mm. it went on to win a bunch of awards. It got me another directing gig for a TV thing. And that led to other directing gigs. And it also led to me producing stuff for other people, including, you know, not just films, but theater as well. Cause I, you know, I come from the theater, so it can change your life. And, and, and it's, it's a very exciting journey to be on, especially when you don't know what to expect. So, yeah. With creating content, there always is that 
struggle. And I mean, I, um, you, you did mention Freddie before. I know Freddie very well. Um, and, uh, Rob Alicia and his, yeah, whole, Rob's great. his whole gang, of, his whole gang of guys. Yeah. Um, I was in one of the, um, comedy pilots that Rob produced with Michaela Zinu, uh, couples therapy. Oh yeah. Um, and, and got to work with his whole crew with, um, with his production company and just seeing how, you know, like, how it transitions from one to like i'm sure maybe he never imagined becoming a filmmaker and having his own production company but that desire to want to create content to showcase yourself as an actor leads to all of these other opportunities so it's just so so cool to see and and you know uh those listening guys jordan's not just you know it's 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 uh there's proof that all of this stuff works, you know, multiple, multiple times. It's not like this one. Yeah, between the people that you know and I know and the (laughs) audience knows, they can actually see like, oh, the people that have done it and it works, Right. you know, and and in that way, you kind of have to become an entrepreneur. You have to be the CEO of your own company. Like, and and, and it also gives you a whole other skill set. You know, when actors are just starting out, I highly recommend to them to, to go on set as a PA, not as an extra, but as a PA, because you want to see how a set runs. When you have that understanding, it makes you a different actor. You know exactly how to be on set as well. And it creates a level of professional. Like when I, when I came to LA a long time ago, I, I will probably, if I say it, it's going to tell you how old I am, which is I guess okay. Uh, I came out here 26 years ago. Uh, and the first thing I did was I decided to get a job as a PA because I wanted to be on set and I wanted to see what was happening. I, I could have joined like central casting and become an extra. I already had my SAG card because I had done some work in New York. Like everybody, like I was like everybody, I was on law and order, big fucking deal, right? Um, so, uh, you know, uh, but being on set in that way and learning how the crew manages itself and runs, it made me such a better actor from when, from when I was in front of the camera because I knew exactly like how to not waste somebody's time and make sure that every second counts because every second in production costs money, right? So, you know, it gave me a certain skill set that I could bring as an actor and like knowing where the camera is and, and, and you know, knowing where camera department is, knowing where, you know, video village is, knowing where the sound setup is, knowing all that stuff. So I can then focus only on, you know, my performance in a way that, that translated better for being on camera you know, I wouldn't have had had I not been a crew member. And it also gives you a way of really understanding and respecting the crew that a lot of actors who have never been on set before just don't have when they get there. And and that is something people notice. Uh, and for those who are looking to create content, whether it's to get into writing or directing um, or to create content for themselves, to showcase themselves, um, uh, a frequent struggle is that of of funding and their budget um they're either not able to save or they lead or they go to crowdfunding um do you have any tips for any of the aspiring filmmakers out there who are sort of struggling with that absolutely yes um first know that if you want to create content you don't have to write it produce it direct it you can always find somebody in your facebook group or your instagram followers right right? that you're friends with or a class that can do that stuff Um, so when you are fundraising you want to make sure the reason the fundraise is not just to raise money, but it's to grow your audience. Okay. And I'll explain that in a second, but when you're fundraising and you're collaborating with a group of people, they will also be helping you fundraise. So you have greater reach, which means you will probably raise your budget. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll get those funds. And, you know, if you don't want to fundraise and you just want to make something, everybody's got a smartphone. Just get some kind of like digital pocket recorder, like a Zoom H8 or an H4N, which is a less expensive and like some inexpensive wireless labs and do it yourself. You know, back in the day, Robert Rodriguez made El Mariachi, which was a feature film for $7,000. And he was, now he did everything himself. He was a one man crew, but you don't need to do that anymore. You know when I was teaching live classes in person, because you know, that used to happen before we were all stuck in the Zoomosphere, right. you know, I used to say, you know, I used to pick up a pencil and throw it at somebody and it would hit them, right? And they go, you know, it wouldn't hit them in the face, hopefully, right? But I would say, you see what I just did, folks? 
that pencil just landed on that person. Now imagine if you did that in a Starbucks on a random Tuesday at 2 p.m. with somebody that has a laptop. If you did that, you would get their attention. That person in Starbucks is probably a writer. Mm. They're in Starbucks because they're not working. Everybody wants to be working. If you have a director friend, a producer friend, a writer friend, another actor friends, you can do a short film for like no money, zero dollars if you have a smartphone and, and somebody has some gear somewhere and just make something and get in the practice of making it, right? It doesn't have to be good for your first one, which also means you don't necessarily want to distribute it everywhere online if it's not, but you get into the practice of making stuff because just making something will give you this tremendous sense of accomplishment and excitement. Now imagine, okay, if you have a couple of bucks, even if it's a few hundred dollars, just to you know, pay somebody for a friend of yours that has a, an apartment you can use, or if you know the owner of a restaurant, or if, you're, if you happen to be a bartender at a bar when those open up again, and, and you say, you know, hey, I'd love to shoot something here. I can afford a few hundred bucks as an employee when the bar is closed during the day. Can I shoot this scene for my for my reel or, you know, or the short film here, you're probably going to yes. You know, if you can create relationships with people or you have relationships with people, utilize them. You know, I, so, you know, I just interviewed somebody in my group, in, in the Thriving Actor group on Facebook. He's in, he was a business guy. He sold his business. He moved to LA. He just started out acting like last year or during the pandemic, but he decided, fuck it. I'm going to take Jordan's advice and make a feature film. He's making a feature film. He's got it a third shot so far. And he spent barely any money because he made friends with a bunch of actors. They all want to do it. They're all working for free. He made a friend with a cinematographer whose red camera is just collecting dust. So he's like, sure, I'll shoot it for you. I can only shoot weekends. So he shoots it on weekends, you know, when people are available. And, you know, by the end of this year, he'll have a feature film that he produced for wow. no money, yeah. it can be done. I really believe that if you truly want something, you will find a way to get it done. Mm. Now that's the entrepreneur mindset. It's figuring out how to get shit done when everybody else is just twiddling their thumbs going, how is this gonna go? You know, like <laughs> fucking everybody sits around wanting to do shit. Right. You know, my, my whole thing is like, get off your butt and find somebody to do it with. And you can do it like, I have an iPhone right here in my hand for those of you who are only going to listen to this podcast and not watch the video. Good enough for Soderbergh, good enough for you. Good enough for me. I've made two films on this, you know? Yeah. So, and they look beautiful and they sound great. That's all that matters. The acting is good. The writing, meh, I didn't write it, but you know, I got hired. <laughs> it's fine. <you> know? <laughs> but I wanted to do it because I wanted to make movies on, on an iPhone and see, yeah. and see what that experience was, right? And, and again, those films cost no money, but, you know, I volunteered my, my directing and, and I also shot it myself. So I was my own cinematographer, um, you know, I lit it myself too, but that's because I wanted the experience of doing that. Surely anybody can find somebody like that. I think it's really important. You know, if, if, if your performance is great and it looks good and it sounds good, nobody cares what you shot it on. Right. When you go to film festivals or now online film festivals, there are so many things that are shot on smartphones that look great, fine, great, doesn't matter. You know, James Cameron has this, uh, he has this uh, quote where he says, pick up a camera, shoot something, put your name on it as a director. Now you're a director. Everything else after that means you're just negotiating your rate and, and your accommodations, right? Or something like that, I'm paraphrasing. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's that fucking easy. It really is. People go, oh, I don't have money to make a film. You don't need money to make a film. You don't. You have friends that wanna work, either as an actor, like if you have writer friends, they've got, just got short film scripts laying around collecting dust, right. or they're on their laptop and they've never printed one out. Maybe be like, hey, you got something for me, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. everybody wants their work produced. If you have a writer friend, produce their script. If you have a director friend, let them direct it. If you have a cinematographer friend, or maybe the director is one and the same, great. Now you've got a crew. Find a sound person. That's the one position you should pay for. If you have to spend money, spend money for sound. Sound is unforgiving. We can watch stuff that looks a little eh, 
but if it sounds like crap, no, you've lost me, you know, we're leaving the theater yeah. or clicking off YouTube or whatever. But, you know, if you are going to fundraise, yeah, look, if you are going to fundraise, you know, I highly recommend Seed and Spark, S-E-E-D and Spark, S-P-A-R-K.com. It's a fundraising platform for filmmakers that was started by filmmakers. You get a tremendous amount of community support. They're partnered with a bunch of companies. You get free shit if you have a certain number of people following your campaign. Um, and, you know, for people who are afraid to raise money, they're like, oh, I don't want to ask people for money. That's not, you don't ask people for money. Give them the opportunity to participate in their success. Mm-hmm. Reframe it for them. Reframe it for yourself, right? If people love you and care about you, they want you to succeed. Great. Here's how they can do that. Contribute to the campaign. Right? I love that. I love, I love that reframing. Because, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so many people are, you know, money for whatever reason. Of all things to be taboo these days, it's money. Oh, yeah. Um, nobody talks yeah. about how much they make or whatever, that, you know. But um, yeah, yeah, I love that 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 mindset. Well, well, I'll tell you exactly how I sort of came to that frame of mind was being in business. You know, having started companies and having to go to potential investors, mm-hmm. venture capitalists, angel investors. You don't go asking for money. If anybody here has ever watched Shark Tank, they always talk about the opportunity, right? Here's an opportunity to invest in mm-hmm. Chirp Wheel or whatever the fuck they're selling, right? Right, because investors look at it as an opportunity also. How, because they look at it as an opportunity mm-hmm. to make money, right? For an audience that's going to contribute to your fundraising campaign, it's an opportunity to contribute to your success. Plus, on any fundraising platform, you give away perks. And honestly, most of the time, people just go to the fundraising campaign and they start shopping. Well, what perks can I get for $50? What can I get for $200? You know, what? Oh, I'll get a shout out for $10. That's all I can afford. Great. I want a shout out. You know, like it gives mm-hmm. them an opportunity to have fun with you. So give, allow them the opportunity to participate in your vision and in your artistry and, mm-hmm. and people will enjoy that. And it's important to think that way because if you just go asking for money, then you're not going to get any. But if you go with an opportunity to say, hey, here's an opportunity for you to get, oh man, I, was, I, I coached this woman who was fundraising for this web series and it was about, I can't, it was about this Italian-American woman who uh, had to go into hiding and so what, one of her perks was, if you contribute $50, I will send you fresh cannoli from this one bakery in Brooklyn. And that's what, and she sold like 10 of those, right? She had like a cap limit of 10 people that she would do that for. So she sent, she shipped fresh cannoli to people who bought that perk, right? Like, that's fun. You can have fun with that. So like, that's an opportunity for me to have the, that cannoli. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spend 50 bucks on that. So because you've worked with so many actors and uh, in the Thriving Actor Facebook group, um, I'm not sure how many members you have up to this point or if you know how many. I think it's like 1,600 now. Wow. And yeah. in, in not that long, right? Like it's only been around for... for yeah, it's, it's just over... Maybe just I've only over, been in there no, it's, it's just over a year. Oh, I think okay. a lot more people joined during the pandemic because they gotcha. wanted some like hope and direction so basically what that group is for for those people at home or in their car if you're actually out and about these days it's a free facebook group where you know it's 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 for actors and filmmakers i have a lot of content creators there you know i just teach business skills i have industry people come in from time to time and we'll do a facebook live uh, where you get to ask them questions Uh, my wife who's a vp of a big bi-coastal agency clear talent group she came and she talked about uh, you know, how to create your perfect pitch as an actor for when you're pitching agents and managers and casting directors. Mm. Um, you know, so it's a resource for people because I truly want to help people level up their careers. You know, I, I think that any actor can have the career they want, but they can't wait for someone else to help them out. They have to fucking go take that shit themselves, right? Mm. They, you got to do the work. Look, even my wife says this, you know, an agent takes 10%, so they're only going to do 10% of the work because they got 90% of their clients. So you have to do all that 90% for yourself, right? Um, So it's really about taking your career in your own hands and not relying on somebody else to give you a job, but figuring out a way to create those opportunities for yourself and then teaching you the business skills to navigate the industry in a way that makes you desirable and that people want to work with you. So, you know, I've been doing, I've been teaching this stuff for a long time now. It's going on 10 years yeah i remember seeing um uh years ago now because it's i mean i've been in and out of new york since like 2017 or 2016 i remember seeing um a lot of your 
um, collaborating with um, the Actors Green Room back in the day. Um, and then now oh, with yeah. Thriving Actor yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're sort of expanding to be your, um, cause I remember seeing like your get shit done workshop and, uh, or something like that, like years ago. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Yeah. Just that, that phrase of like, you know, if you want something, Thank you. you've got to get it done yourself. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, well, so you know, simple, I, I really, but, yeah. I, yeah. Like the green lounge, that was my jumping off point. So Jen Rudolph, who is the founder of the green lounge and her 2% signature system, I was her business mentor for many years. Hmm. Um, you know, like she came out to LA and um, someone who was working for her uh, invited me to come speak about my book. And, uh, and then we just, you know, start, decided to work together for a while. And then, you know, she was teaching other things and I figured like, you know, there's other things that I want to do. So I kind of went off on my own um, and have been, you know, teaching now for the Thriving Actor Group for just over a year. Mm. Um, but that's now become its own brand. The book is going to be Thriving Actor. Yeah. I've got like my weekend workshops, which are for Thriving Actor, you know, so it's, um, you know, it's fun. I, I really, I really love seeing the progress that people make. And I also really love seeing where they're stuck and trying to figure out how to help them through that. You know, yeah. sometimes it's just, most of the time, honestly, it's a mindset thing. Mm. A lot of the work that I do is mindset, you know, it's mindset work. Yeah. You know, it's getting out of this frame of mind and belief system of I don't have the skills or I don't have the tools or I don't have enough knowledge or I don't have the access because we all have everything we need. Uh, what I found in working with people for 10 years in this way is that most of the time it's not because we don't know things or we don't have things or we don't have access. It's because we don't do the things that we know we need to do, mm. but just don't want to or are afraid to. Right. And I don't know, uh, Juan, if you have heard me say this uh, in some of my videos or in the group or in person, but whenever I'm afraid of anything, I just ask myself two questions. Am I going to die or is anybody else going to fucking die? If the answer is no, then you don't need to be afraid of anything. Mm. You might not want to ask these questions before you go skydiving because you could potentially die. <laughs> but if it's like emailing somebody and you're nervous that, you know, nobody's going to die, you're not going to die. Nobody else is going to die you can probably make this film. You can probably email that agent. You could probably, you know, self-submit for something, you know? Yeah. So just kind of, kind of try shit. And if it works out great and if it doesn't work, then try some new shit. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. Yeah. So many, think out of the box. yeah. So many new actors in this industry are uh, not even new actors. Sometimes people who've been, you know, in it for a while, they're still so scared of like stepping on toes and they're like, oh, I don't want to annoy anyone. It's like, well, well, here's the thing, like in life, we're going to annoy the shit out of somebody. Right. <laughs> we don't, we can't, we, we're not in control of what other people think of us. So why should we care what other people think of us? Right. You know, I'm sure there's people that love me. I'm sure there's people that can't stand me. That's okay. Right. You have to, you have to do your thing. Mm. You know, like I started a company a while ago and, and we had a Twitter account and we had a celebrity spokesperson and like, we were getting a lot of mean tweets. We we're getting a lot of trolls and haters. Yeah. Right. And it was, it was a, it was a company for dogs. It was like dog products, you know, cause I, I'm into dogs, right? Like who's going to hate on dogs? Like what? Right. But I just think like this, like if, if someone is so annoyed with me that they go tell somebody else, now I've got two people talking about me because I'm <laughs> that important, you know, like there's no such thing as bad press. Okay. So you piss off a casting director, which is probably not going to happen. Right. What are they going to do? I'm so annoyed at, you know, one, he emailed me and look at this email. Uh, it's so bold. And, 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 you know, like, who does he think he is? Now you've got two people talking about one. Maybe the other person goes, yeah, but he's probably right for the role, right? Like it doesn't <laughs> matter, <laughs> you know, like he's a great looking guy. And he's probably right for the role. Is he a good actor? Yeah. Great. Who cares? Look, we're going to piss people off. We're going to not piss people. It doesn't matter. Like, right. and most of the time you're not going to piss anybody off unless you're an overt asshole. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, like I get people saying like, oh, well, you know, they're, I don't know if I should DM that, that person or reach out to them on LinkedIn or I shouldn't look if they've got an email that's publicly available because it's on IMDB pro, or right. you can contact them through LinkedIn, or if they have a social media account, they should kind of expect that people are gonna, you know, contact them. And look, if they don't want to be contacted, they can make their profile private mm -hmm. or they can take off their contact information from whatever else. And they can simply say, you know what, please don't contact me. Great. Okay. Now, you know, have you pissed them off? No. You know, were you an overt asshole? No. Did you piss them off? No. You know, and look, honestly, if you piss somebody off, they're probably not going to remember because they're too fucking busy anyway. Right. 
So totally don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> I get DMs all the time from actors like wanting a job. And I respond very nicely. I'm like, you know, I typically cast through the traditional channels, you know, submit. And if you're right for it, I'll call you in, you know, and if not, then don't worry about it. You know? So, um, so <laughs> what, what would you say is one of the most common um, mistakes that actors make? And I know there's a laundry list. It's literally like a scroll of, of different well, things that... Yeah, you know, it's not so much mistakes as it is more of like a way of doing things, right? Mm. I think, you know, look, if you have the opportunity to take a meeting with somebody, do your research on who you're meeting. If it's an agent, manager, casting director, director, showrunner, whoever, producer, whatever, do your research, right? Um, Remember, if you're in an interview, you're interviewing them also. It's not just... You don't want to be a desperate actor hoping to get someone to like you, to represent you, or to give you a job. Because, you know, if you have that lack of confidence, then they're not going to want to work with you. We want the people who show up and they know that they're right for the fucking role or right. that they know that they're professional, right? You know, so the, the things that I see that actors do that I, I, I really help try to correct so they are more successful is to approach the business in a business mindset. Mm-hmm. Look, first rule of business is this one. And I know this is going to sound really harsh, but it's really true. And this goes for any business. And the entertainment business is no different than any other business. Nobody gives a fuck how you feel. Nobody gives a fuck how you feel. Can you show up and do the work? And are you cool to be on set? That's all they care about. Are you right for the role? If we give it to you, are you going to be a lunatic? Right. Yeah. They just want to, they just want people they know are professional that will show up and hit their marks and do their role and give a good performance and then, you know, not be weird on set. Right. So, you know, in business, in any business, no one gives a fuck how you feel. Yeah. And the, the, the challenge that we have as artists is we're ruled by our emotions and our feelings. Right. So we have to be artists when we are in front of the camera or on stage or in rehearsal for those roles. Outside of that, we have to be business people. We have to run our career like a business. So the one, I guess, mistake that most actors make is that they run their career like broke actors from this like scarcity mindset rather Mm -hmm. than I'm a business person. I'm going to invest in myself and the skills necessary as a business person and run my career like a business in a professional manner and create and nurture authentic business relationships with people and also do things like level up my marketing skills and nurturing relationship skills and, you know, spend my money wisely so I get a return on my investment rather than just paying for every casting director workshop, you know, rather than the ones for the shows that I'm actually right for. So, you know, if it's, if it's one thing that I can recommend to any actor, whether they're starting out or have been at it for a really long time and are stuck, it's you have to come at it from a different way. You know, success doesn't come from doing the things you're good at, because if that were true, everybody would be a fucking rock star or a movie star, right? Success can only come from the things that we have to master that we don't want to do because we either hate it or we're afraid of it, like marketing social media, nurturing relationships. I don't use the term networking because networking assumes that it's like, I want you to do something for me if I do something for you. That's not an authentic relationship, right? An authentic Mm -hmm. relationship is like, hey, how you doing? How was your trip to, you know, Hawaii after the pandemic? Oh, great. Yeah, I saw your pictures on social media. Cool. Or, hey, I know you're really into dogs. Here's a great like dog product that I found, Jordan Ansel. You know, like, you know, that's, that's a relationship. So, you know, running your career like an actual business person will get you way farther than coming at it as an actor wanting a job. Right. And it's really, again, a mindset thing. So. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Um, that's something that I definitely had to learn how to do coming from the theater world and, and not knowing uh, really anything about film and television and then sort of just finding myself booking some things from like self-submissions and then uh, at one point I had to figure out whether I wanted to gain a little more weight and be the character actor or lose weight and go for the leading man. Cause I was in this weird middle position yeah. where in the industry, it's like, sadly, it's still sort of one or the other. Um, yeah. There is a middle ground for some people. For some people. Um, yeah. 
but I had to sort of come to that decision and uh, and sort of do a slight rebranding of myself. And then also realizing that when going from theater where you can play any age, uh, multiple ethnicities and nationalities under the sun for TV, all out the window. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> some yeah. lines on your forehead and the is not going to convince anyone in a show that you're an actual grandpa. They're going to yeah, exactly. a 70-year-old actor. Yeah. Um, so that was a big thing that I've, I've also noticed a lot. You know, you'll ask like a young actor um, fresh out of their BFA program, like, oh, like, so what's what's your type or, uh, yeah. you know, what 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 can you play? Like, what do you think you can play? And they're like, oh, I can do everything. It's like, okay, that doesn't help anybody. Can't submit you for everything. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the thing. That you know what you asked what some of the mistakes are, and and you know what you just jogged my memory. That is exactly one of them. Actors mm-hmm. don't know who they are most of the time. I can play anything. You can, but you won't. You need to know your main <laughs> archetypes, right? right? And your archetype is not who you are as a person. It's how you're perceived by the industry. Those are the roles you will likely play most of your life, unless you get to a level where you can, you know, produce your own feature film with some you know credibility to it and you know and get it out in the world and they can see you in a different light you know but most actors don't know who they are they think they think that they're when they you know and they hear this from agents and managers you know get three looks when you do your headshots you know and then they go and they get three looks but they don't work and they think their headshots don't work and they don't go out because that's the wrong terminology not don't everyone go has three looks look. but, yeah yeah, yeah. You have to know who you are as an actor. What are your main archetypes? What are your sensibilities? What are you, you know, what what are most people going to cast you as based on yes your look but also your mannerisms, the way you carry yourself, your, you know, the way you speak, the way you, you know, the way you gesture. You know, sure they won't get that from your headshot, but you can certainly get an attitude from a headshot, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to know who you are as an actor, not just like you know, people go like, oh, I'm going to get headshots. I'm going to do like a business look. I'm going to do like a blue collar look. And I'm going to do, Bad like, boy you know, young mom. I'm like, that doesn't fucking mean anything, right? <laughs> a business look, are you the douchebag, you know, CEO of the hedge fund? Or are you the business person that you are like the heart of gold boss, right? Who runs the boardroom like she runs a yoga studio. Like there's a, there's a whole slew of things, right? So you have to know mm-hmm. your archetypes. And, and to me, the way you find out is, Look at the people that are like you, not just on how you look, but your sensibilities. What roles are they playing in co-stars and guest stars and recurring roles on TV? They don't have to look like you. They just have to sort of, you know, be reminiscent of who you are as a person. That's probably an archetype for you. So shoot your photos like that and, and, and market yourself for your three main archetypes with one of them being your strongest, which is the one you'd be mostly cast for. Because when you can home in on on who you are as an actor, then everyone else can too. And they don't get some generic headshot, which is unfortunately like 99% of the headshots that I see are they're fucking generic. Like, I don't know who I'm looking at. Like, is that right. a young dad or is that, I don't know who that is, right? It's, you know, if you know who you are, you know, you can hire like people who do that and, and or, or just, and don't ask your friends, don't ask your actor friends, you know, what your archetypes right. are. Ask like your acting coaches or your or casting directors if you have a relationship with them. You know, get mm-hmm. industry opinions. So if you you know that's one thing that actors, you know, tend to not do is really know who they are. So yeah, yeah, and that makes it yeah, harder to confuse the marketplace. If you don't know who you are, how am I going to know who you are? Right. <laughs> casting directors don't have time to figure that out. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 about. I guess trying to remove as much of the guesswork as, as you yeah. can. You know, look, it's people don't have time to have an imagination in this industry, right? right? <laughs> they don't. Like they, they get a headshot. They want to see that that headshot looks like you're already on the fucking show. Right. If I have to imagine, like, can you play a badass detective or can you play a badass DA, but your hair, you know, it's in a ponytail or something and you don't look like that, or it's just a generic, like what they to call Broadway headshot where it was just like you know that moody headshot yeah. with no expression like what the fuck is that yeah I don't know <laughs> yeah, I still see so many of those and it drives me crazy and it's like oh so all of you went to the same photographer right who has the same setup same backgrounds well, well that's the thing like even headshot photographers yeah. most of them are actors and they don't know how to shoot right. archetypes because they don't know what their own are right right my suggestion, folks, is if you're going to go to a photographer, try to find a photographer that has always and only been a photographer, not an actor. A good photographer will direct you like a director on mm-hmm. a show. 
So if you're shooting three archetypes for three different types of shows, they will direct you differently for each of those archetypes. So that comes through in the photo. And you're, you know, when I talk about, you know, helping actors, you know, figure out their archetypes. And then we talk about photography. I say, listen, the thing that makes a headshot work is this. It's your attitude, your environment, and your styling. If you're shot against a plain white background, that's not an environment that suggests anything. The background has to suggest the archetype because it does something subconsciously to the person looking at it. When all three of those things work, attitude, environment, and styling. Styling meaning hair, makeup, wardrobe. Right. If you're a woman, obviously hair and makeup has to change for each different archetype. It should not be the same. You know, mm -hmm. men can get away with like styling their hair similarly for each archetype. Um, you know, but if those th three things work, then something happens subconsciously to the person looking at that photo where they think you're on the show and be right for it. So you're going to get called in for that audition. And I can only say this having been a professional photographer now for 32 years working with mm -hmm. actors, both celebrity actors, unknown actors, and also shooting fashion and lifestyle and editorial photography, uh, being a photographer on film sets. You know, I've done all of it. I've shot everything that you can think of under the sun and in multiple countries. So, you know, and look, that doesn't make me right. You know, obviously there's other opinions and like mine is worth nothing, okay? But this is just what I have found working with people that when those three things work, there's something that happens where everybody looks at that photo and goes, oh yeah, that's that's totally a, a, a blacklist shot or that's told, I can totally see you on Ozark or I can totally see you on mm -hmm. on on a show like uh, uh, Dave or, or you know, some kind of comedy or, you know, and look, obviously some people have a very classic look where they're right for period pieces. So the lighting should be, sim you know, sort of similar to that, mm -hmm. right? And you should carry yourself in that photo. Attitude, environment, and styling, those three things together when they work, I mean, that's when you fucking nail it. That's when you're just getting calls after calls from agents, managers, casting directors, whoever, right? That's what I want to see in headshots anyway, so. Gotcha. Um, th we're about to hit an hour, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Uh, so thank you so much for all of this insight. Um, oh, it's my pleasure, Juan. Thank you for having me yeah. on. And you Absolutely. know, for, for just a couple of things. So for those of you, if you want to join the Thriving Actor Facebook group, it's a free group. I'm not selling you anything. I try to give as much free advice as I can. Uh, or as much advice as I can for free, rather. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes I teach workshops, uh, but most of the time I just do stuff in that group. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to just end with uh, a game we call getting to know you? So it's okay. a quick rapid fire round of questions. Uh, we'll see how many we can get through. Uh, starting with coffee or tea? Coffee. 100%. In fact, do not talk to me unless I've had my first coffee in the day. I, you know, I actually tried to give up coffee once uh, one day and my court date is pending. So there's that. <laughs> it's a total dad joke, right? That's so bad. <laughs> uh, uh, drama or comedy? Oh, that's hard. Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, that's really hard. You know, I grew up like watching amazing romantic comedies. I'm a rom-com guy at heart. I love, I mean, I'm directing a drama, but I also directed like some dark comedies. I mean, shit, I don't know. Um, I'm going to have to say they're about equal. I can't, I can't decide. Like if I had a gun to my head and I had to decide, I would say comedy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, a TV or film? Ooh, that's also hard because now it's all a blur, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's all on Amazon or Netflix these days. Um, you know, I'm a cinemaphile. I love film. I love, mm. I actually love celluloid. Like I love the feel of film. I love the texture mm. that, that that film actually gives you. And even though everything is shot digitally now, like I love, I love cinematic films, you know, that said, I have become completely addicted to TV because there's so much good television. Yeah. Um, that said, I, I, I am and consider myself a filmmaker, even though I have some TV projects going right now. Um, but to me, you know, I think, you know, there's something like so romantic to me about, about filmmaking, you know, mm -hmm. like I grew up on, you know, Scorsese and Mike Nichols and, and, um, you know, uh, oh gosh, you know, as, as many people have. So to me, you know, or, or fucking Berlusconi, like one of my, you know, um, I'm sorry, um, not Berlusconi, that's the prime minister of Italy. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, oh shit! Now I can't see. I'm also have the age where I forget shit or I misname people. Um, I'll come back to that. But yeah, film man. Um, you know, one of my favorite films uh, was a Sam Peckinpah film called The Wild Bunch, mm. uh, and that was one of my favorite westerns of all time. Like I love western films. I love the old spaghetti westerns. Yeah, there's something to me about film that just always will be my 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 warm safe place, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, gotcha. Fellini, thank you. Oh my god, Fellini, it just popped in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what show would you like to direct an episode of? I would love to direct an episode, and I'm going to talk about a recent show because I just finished it called if it's a comedy it would be the great which is on mm-hmm. hulu it's about Catherine the great and it is a raucous comedy it is fucking hilarious i love it um i have a pilot actually that is about to get off the ground which is a comedy so it's kind of in that vein of humor which i'm excited about mm-hmm. uh and then if it were a drama ooh, i would love to direct an episode of ozark I, I had a feeling show. you were going to say that because I think you mentioned yeah. it earlier. It's super gritty. I love Jason Bateman. I'd love to work with him. I love Laura Linney. She's a, she to me is like one of those iconic goddess actresses I would just love to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I've got a couple of TV projects right now that I'm in the process of setting up. So maybe, maybe sometime in 2022, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. um, when were you the most starstruck? Okay, this is ridiculous. Here's here's a story. This is so silly. So I, you know, I grew up in New York City, and I would I always saw stuff shooting. I've never really been starstruck. And you know, my mom uh, went to NYU, and she made she and Martin Scorsese made his one of his first films in NYU together, right? So I've never really been starstruck, except for when I came out to LA, and I I I am. I was actually shooting something at Paramount and this is when I was an actor. This is like 25 years ago, 26 years ago. Uh, I'm walking across the parking lot and I see Henry Winkler. For those of you who don't know Henry Winkler, <laughs> is, he played Fonzie in Happy Days. And for those of you who don't know what that is, my heart is breaking. So he's just walking across the parking lot, right? And and he just sees me and he smiles and I couldn't, I was such an idiot. All I did was this. I went, and I did the two Fonzie thumbs, you know, <laughs> If you're just listening to this podcast, I'm, I'm doing the Fonzie thumbs and I go, Hey, you know, and I just felt like, cause I just did it. Like it wasn't, yeah. I was not in control of my body. Like, cause when I was growing up, I thought Fonzie was the coolest guy, you know, mm-hmm. on the planet until Han Solo came to existence. <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, you know, when I met, when I, when I saw Henry Winkler and I did that and he went, Hey, back to me across <laughs> the parking lot. I'm like, Holy shit. I'm in Hollywood, baby. I've made it. <laughs> You know, it's so fucking stupid. You know, so this has been a very one-sided interview. I want to ask you some questions. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So what made you fall in love with acting and want to get into acting? That's what I Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a very musical family. Um, went to Spanish Pentecostal church, lots of music. Um, so I grew up primarily as a singer, and then that just led to me doing like my first musical when I was 12. And then cool did that more in high school and then once I got to college it was either criminal justice or acting and I went for the acting route I'll play a lawyer on tv someday there you go yeah um I'll be like Raul Spars on Law and Order I'll be like the young DA yeah totally um, I can totally see you as that role too 100%. Yeah. um so that's really where it where it uh where it happened and I always thought I was gonna be a Broadway star I was like I want to be on Broadway I want to sing I want to but I'm not a dancer. Uh, I went to community college for acting and um, got my associates and never got any formal dance training. Started producing my own stuff there because they had nothing musical related. And we had a whole bunch of kids who were musical theater kids. So I was like mm-hmm. to my to our program head and to he taught the majority of the classes. And I asked him, it's like, can I like put together a show or a concert or something? And he was like, yeah, this space is yours. So we got to like produce shit for free. And I would hire the musicians from hire didn't pay them I pay them like 50 bucks for the weekend um but they were like younger than me they're like 18 year old drummers and whatnot um and hired I wrote my first musical when I was like in oh, wow. college and it's buried somewhere I don't know where it is now that's uh, cool man 
but Dude, wrote my, you should yeah. do like a musical short film to star in like you know kind of that's like, that's that's something that i really really want to do um yeah but that's a whole endeavor i have to get some actually they actually just announced that the new york public library is going to be releasing like uh, you can rent media kits for up to three months oh, and wow. it's like a midi like a little a mini uh keyboard that you can just plug in and you do like your sounds and your synths and all that stuff and Ooh. all this other stuff so i'm definitely gonna look into that because i really want to to start producing some stuff and and you know i've got i've got the mics i've got the the equipment yeah. so i can definitely do some stuff awesome. um but yeah that's i definitely want to to start producing my own content i've got like half a dozen scripts one for a web series cool. workplace comedy um touching on the journalism side of of, of my life because i i write for a website um called media village and i get to interview some folks there too nice. and i'm actually starting a podcast with them now because they really that's like great. this one so i'm doing that yeah. Um, cool. but yeah, everything's sort of intertwining, which I really love. It's, um, yeah. everything sort of, so you're multi-hyphenate as well as, yeah, yeah. that's great. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. You know? Yeah. yeah that's cool, man. Yeah. Uh, well, so speaking of musicals, I'm actually in the middle of writing a musical horror comedy. Oh, really? Feature film. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. yeah mixing genres. I like, I, you know, it's so fun. My writing partner on that is amazing. So, yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um so just a few last questions um so what film franchise would you want to join as a director oh shit star wars come on man like that's the shit right there yeah absolutely i you know i'm a star wars geek i so for those of you who can't see me i also love comic book movies so if it's like marvel or star wars i'm there like i got a whole wall of comic books in my office that's behind me and i have more in the garage but yeah, um, but Star Wars, I think, you know, and it wouldn't have to be a film. Like I would love to do something for Disney plus. I do mm. like, you know, I, to me, like John Favreau has carved out quite an amazing career for himself, having written a little independent film called Swingers, right? right? And which is the prime example of how you produce your own fucking thing and it changes your life. Now yeah. he like has the Mandalorian, he, you know, produced Iron Man and like a whole bunch of Marvel shit. So, you know, I think he's like a real um, auteur in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like, I mean, my idol is still Harrison Ford. So <laughs> as, <laughs> as Han Solo, you know, so yeah. absolutely. So just uh, one final question. Uh, okay. So in 10 words or less, what advice would you give to a young performer? Know who you are. Create a starring vehicle for yourself. So everyone go follow Jordan on Instagram at Jordan Ansel official. You can follow us at actors with issues, a big, big thank you to our sponsor anchor for supporting the show. You can head over to anchor.fm to get started on your own podcast. 100% free. I make every, every, every single episode on anchor myself. I've loved working with them so far. Uh, and if you guys enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and a review wherever you are listening. And you can catch new episodes every single Friday and bonus episodes like this dropping at the start of every month. Uh, I'm Haniala. This is Actors with Issues, and we will see you guys next week.